Hello there and welcome to this edition of the Tinker Talks podcast. I'm Clayton Cummins, a proud member of the 72nd Air Base Wing Public Affairs Office. This podcast is one dedicated to the latest events and happenings on one of the largest Air Force bases. This Tinker Talks podcast features various perspectives from the 5,600-acre installation of nearly 28,000 personnel. Now, today's podcast, it is a very good one. We've got Brigadier General Brian Moore from the Oklahoma City Air Logistics Complex. He's the commander there. He's sitting down and talking with our Mark Hybers. Now, for those unfamiliar, the Oklahoma City Air Logistics Complex is one of Tinker Air Force Base's major organizations, and it's made up of thousands of personnel that support the world's largest maintenance missions. Now, this is where depot maintenance and modifications are done on several aircraft. We're talking the KC-46. We're talking the E-3 Century AWACS, commonly known as. We're talking the KC-135, the B-1, B-52, and the Navy E-6 Mercury. And most other aircraft engines, among other missions, are met right here at Tinker. An interesting note is that most of the airmen in the complex, they're actually civilians, believe it or not. There are not very many military members in the Oklahoma City Air Logistics Complex. Public Affairs, we had a great conversation with the general talking about everything from his priorities to what the future of the ALC looks like. That's one of the major things that I took away from this conversation. Brigadier General Moore seems very focused on the future. And of course, that's not a bad thing, right? Here's our conversation with Brigadier General Moore. Well, good morning, sir. And uh, thanks for joining us on this podcast this morning. Good morning. Uh, we are speaking to the Oklahoma City Air Logistics Complex Commander, Brigadier General Brian Moore. And uh, we finally get a chance to catch up with you, sir. Yeah, it's, it's great to be months. here. I'm great, glad to be with you. It's been a few months. So uh, jumping right in, if you could, can you just kind of give us a little bit of background about your, your career and, and who you are? Yeah, so br my name is Brian Moore. Um, I've been in the Air Force over 27 years. Career maintainer uh, by trade. I've done some other uh, different assignments and personnel work, um, some headquarters work at the Pentagon. Got I, I got to do some interesting uh, external work with the the five community and in, in war planning and strategy. But for the most part, I'm a core maintainer. Uh, noteworthy that uh, Barb and I, Barb's my spouse. And she's been with me for 30 years. We've been married for almost 30 years. Wow. Um, and uh, she and I, uh, with our three daughters, who are now grown up and uh, out of the house, uh, we've been to Tinker three different times. So this is our third assignment, back to Tinker. And we are super excited to be here. We've been here uh, up to six months now for this assignment. It's gone really fast, but we were thrilled to get to uh, come back and be able to continue to serve. That's awesome. Made sense. And so as a career maintainer, uh, has it been challenging for you through your career to go to the personnel, more of the personnel side and, and uh, not down in the wrenches? And, and Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> uh, my view of that is that maintenance is there's a lot of personnel in it right mm, right so i would tell you that uh you know the people business is what we're in 
and and uh, the Oklahoma City Air Logistics Complex is all about the people right. and the workforce that we have. You know, 9,000 civilians and 100 military, if that gives you an idea of the difference. Um, this is a people business. So I, I would suggest to you that the personnel background has just been a blessing, you know, throughout my career to be able to help, you know, contribute uh, to individuals, uh, career development, helping them reach their, reach their full potential, as well as programmatically for our organization. So it's been really great. Right. Love that. And there, there's, I mean, the, you think of, of maintainers and mechanics and they are they are a very, very smart breed of people. Like, there's a lot more to this than, than just coming in and grabbing a wrench and turning a bolt. Yeah, uh, that, that's really true. Uh, from the perspective of our our key, you know, strategic priority is the technical proficiency of right. this workforce. Right. That right. that is the national treasure. The folks that turn the wrenches and the the knowledge and skills that they have keeping them resilient and mission ready to be able to bring that technical capability and capacity, you know, when our nation needs it is, is the strategic priority. So I Love agree. It. That's awesome. And so, sir, the, the complex is a very large organization and obviously it's difficult for everybody to get a chance to meet you and know you and for you to, to get down onto the floor and see and meet everybody here. As you just said, it's 9,000 civilians and a hundred military um, for the benefit of those who may never get the opportunity to meet you, could you give us a little bit of uh, insight as to your leadership style? Sure. Well, first of all, you know, every airman, and I say that with big A airman sense, you know, civilian airman, uniformed airman, reserve, guard, active duty, uh, we all are important and have a place for uh, for you, and uh, and we need every single person in the fight. Um, so, so that's one. Two, uh, in the six months that I've been here, I can't tell you how impressed I am with the leadership team that we have across this complex. You know, from the from the complex, from the groups, in the squadrons, um, really an incredible group of people. Uh, that that understand our business. So I, I think number two, leadership style is we're going to trust our leadership, right? right. And then we're going to create lots of feedback loops uh, because we every voice is important, every perspective is important. Um, we have a very diverse uh, work workforce, and we need to include everybody to make sure that every voice is heard, so that we're making the best, well-informed decisions that we can. But this leadership team is incredible. Um, the business that we work in is extremely complex, mm. um, from the production warfighting side to the business financial side, and it's a careful balance that we all have to integrate on to make sure we're bringing the right level of efficiency, effectiveness. So I would say number three, we're going to create, uh, we're going to continue to uh, to create opportunities to integrate mm -hmm. as a workforce, but as a leadership team as well, to make sure that we're moving forward together as one and that we're bringing the best solutions to help the workforce be successful. Um, I, I guess that would maybe encapsulate, uh, you know, kind of my thought process or leadership style. Um, this is, this, this is a team sport, if you right. will. Yeah. And we've got to be working together to, to make the best decisions we can for this workforce to make sure the mission is taken care of. Um, and then that includes, you know, right down to every individual and their own, in, own needs. We've got to make sure they're resilient and excellent. 
right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate resilience and excellence. And I'll talk about how we're going to do that in a little bit. But uh, this is about taking care of people and the mission. And resilience and excellence are are a key uh, piece of that that special activity that we're going to be doing. Right. Love that. And you talk about integration, and that's how critically important that is to an organization like the complex. Like this place, you know, to, to hear about it and think about the number of people that work here, but to actually come be a part of it is just, I mean, it takes a lot. And uh, integrating has got to be so incredibly critical to making this all work so smoothly. Yeah. You know, I, I like to tell people, you know, it's hard integration. Hmm. And, and here's why. Because just think about from the maintenance professional, you know, out on the floor to the supply folks that are bringing the parts at the right time to the right place to the the point of need right to the programmers and the resourcers who are who are funding if you will um to our our partners uh that are that we work with directly um to produce you know we have different partnership activities Mm -hmm. um we've all got to be seeing and, and then ultimately to the warfighter, mm-hmm. right? The, those that we are delivering, producing to promise, right. um, you know, as as the the center commander's top priority to produce to promise, we've got to integrate all those different sustainment activities to be able to deliver at exactly the right time. Integration is hard, but that's why it's so important. Right. Um, so we have to continually keep that in focus. It's awesome, and so. You had talked about you've been here a few times. Um, I know the last time you actually worked in in the center um, as the vice commander. Yes, indeed. And, uh, so, how did that that experience and that time here help you come back to take this big position on? Yeah, I would I would key in on two things. Um, first, one thing that makes the Air Force Sustainment Center great, you know, those who stood it up. Uh, stood up the center under the five or now six center construct back in 2012. Mm. They did it very deliberately. Um, the center commanders and the and the teams that thought through this, uh, they they brought in a methodology that uh, that most er- most everybody certainly the leadership tiers understand called Art of the Possible AOP, okay. yeah. right? So when I was a sustainment center vice. Uh, I got steeped, as you would expect, uh, in into that methodology, that theory of constraints. And it's the way we do business. It's mm-hmm. our culture, right? It's our production uh, methodology. Um, and so uh, I would say that that helped prepare me. Um, there's so much at every level to understand, which I'm learning every day, which I hope everybody else is too, because this is, this is a learning business. And um, there's so much uh, to understand, but AOP gives us a consistent methodology. We right. speak the same language, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it becomes the production culture that we have to have. So, so in terms of as we start thinking about priorities within this organization, AOP has to be at the top, right? right? Mm-hmm. And as the vice, that was really helpful to really dig into that and understand that for that year. And then the second thing I would tell you is – Back to back to the people conversation, you know, people make it happen. You know, when we talk to P4s, the four priorities, mm-hmm. that's that's number two. That's right at the top. And, you know, we always say, which is it? Mission first, people always, or people first, mission always? And the answer is yes, right? <laughs> right. And uh, so for people, you know, I got to understand for that year, 
the many diverse, uh, you know, activities going on in the complexes, in the supply chain. Uh, I also got to understand the workforce at a, you know, at a holistic level across the center mm. um, to include the functional communities, the local, you know, communities at different bases, not right. just Tinker. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice to understand uh, the, the other depots from, from Hill and Robbins. Um, and then certainly the supply chain, the wholesale retail under Mr. Gray and the SCOW, Colonel Bakazan, those guys are doing incredible work. Um, and then, you know, really understanding how the Defense Logistics Agency ties in in that supply chain. And, and so just as the vice, uh, just really understanding, digging into, wrapping my head around has, has applied directly uh, to this job coming in. And I'm excited to, to get to help make things better with that knowledge. Right. And that constraints-based system, like, just a huge, huge success for the complex. Like, I mean, you there are a lot of organizations that have a difficult time getting their own processes wrapped in successfully, but the complex really was able to take this thing and, and kind of the, they're like the pinnacle of success of, of what constraints-based the AOP Art of the Possible is all about. Yeah, there's so much so much leadership that I'm seeing in in each of the different processes within AOP. Um, you know, and there's within that methodology, there's a lot you can dig into, mm-hmm. and every squadron is executing and implementing AOP in in incredible, interesting ways. Um, they're keeping track of their production capabilities, their gated processes. Teams are moving together, uh, you know, and and so. Yeah, there's a lot to, to continue to unpack, you know, and mature different machines and mm-hmm. lines. Right. Um, and there's always more to do, but the, but the teams are moving forward really well. It's awesome. And you talk about the squadrons. And, uh, you know, sometimes down at the, those levels, um, the squadron levels, and you don't really necessarily understand the tie of this mission into the greater Air Force mission. So what, what would you have the squadron levels and, and below flights even, like what would you have them try to understand about the importance of the ALC mission? Yeah, for, first I would say we are a, a sustainment activity. In fact, you know, the Oklahoma City Air Logistics Complex is the largest aerospace maintenance repair overhaul facility on the planet, wow. right? right? And uh, that's understood in DOD. And what that means is we're doing our warfighting mission every day. We are producing for the warfighter, mm-hmm. and every fight comes back to sustainment. It comes back to us. Right. Every fight. The fight to get into the fight, the fight to sustain the fight, the fight to get airborne mm-hmm. when we're in the fight, and the fight to redeploy and get back home, right? Yep. And so sustainment is what keeps that warfighter at the tip of the spear. We're the shaft, uh, I heard one senior leader say. Right. We're the shaft for, of the spear, <laughs> and that, and then the warfighter's the tip of the spear, right? right. So we're bringing uh, capability capacity, we're bringing air, combat-ready air power to the warfighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every day that we're turning parts, we're turning engines, we're turning aircraft, and we're doing it safely uh, with quality, um, and we're doing it to the speed of need, we are doing our warfighting mission every day, and it's really important that each and every airman uh, understands that 
because one gap, right? It, it's like the, you know, the chain. Uh, we're only as strong as our weakest link, mm-hmm. and we have to be moving together. Otherwise, it affects that that execution of war fighting. You know, so that that's what I would say. I would tell you for Air Force Materiel Command, um, you know, the six centers that I talked about, they depend on us. Mm-hmm. They depend on sustainment. And, uh, and so c- because we deliver a capability to the warfighter together across the six centers. And so we've got a lot of other uh, activities within the Air Force depending on us, and everybody needs to understand that and internalize it and know that you're pr- producing combat power every day for fights that are ongoing now. Right. Think Ukraine. Think uh, what's going on in Israel and Gaza. There's sustainment activities that are directly – uh, contributing that uh, that we have equity in that we need to be focused on. 100%. We do touch the world. Like this complex touches every corner, every piece of this world. And not just for the Air Force. Like we touch the world for a lot of different uh, organizations, the Navy, the Marines, yes, the Army. That's a great point. I mean, <clears throat> so within this complex, we are doing work for allies, for mm-hmm. partners, for sister services, right. um, we've got Navy workload uh, right here on Tinker Air Force Base. We've got uh, a Navy wing uh, of E6s that we're doing program depot maintenance for. We're doing commodities work for Army, Navy, Marines. We're doing um, a lot of engine work for uh, you know allies and partners uh, around the globe. You know some of the F thirty five, F one thirty five engine work yeah. that we're doing is is a complete enterprise ally and partner uh, activity, and we're doing the a, a great portion of that propulsion workload. So uh, you're you're absolutely right. Um, this this is a whole uh, whole you know ally and partner defense activity, and that we're a great part of it. Right. And so is you talk about how huge this place is and it's first of all, it's a great resume bullet. <laughs> someday when <laughs> someday when you when you've uh, moving on to your next assignments and next ranks, but does it ever has it ever yet begun to dawn on you just how incredibly important and large this place is and what it means to, to the Air Force, to our country? So I'll answer that by saying I got the best job in the Air Force. Others may argue with me, but but part of the reason I I have the best job in the Air Force is because I get to be uh, inspired by the truly the massive capability and capacity that we have in this warfighting sustainment complex. It is is absolutely incredible. So we talked about 9,000 people. That is the comparative advantage to our adversaries, right? Mm-hmm. Is the the workforce is the national treasure here? Right. But on top of that, we've got facilities. You know, like like I said, largest maintenance repair overhaul facility, eight point four million square feet, right? Uh, with sixty four buildings, and if you count software, sixty eight buildings. Um, that that's that's incredible capacity, um, and. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the local community here is mm. is part of this. In a way, we are the community, and the community is Oklahoma City Air Logistics Complex, right? right? 10,000 or 9,000 people coming off on and off base. Mm-hmm. Um, and the community has been instrumental in helping us um, bring in uh, extra capacity with the, with the GM plant, 
with the Burlington North Santa Fe Rail Yard. That's now the KC46 campus. Um, there's there's activity going on with the local community, and the, uh, they're just a tremendous uh, you know partnership uh, with us. I'll leave I'll leave that last question with the best communities make the best bases. My mm-hmm. old mentor, Lieutenant General Retired Gene Kirkland, right. used to say that. Uh, and he is one, he was hundred percent right. Uh, the best communities make the best bases and tinkers at the top. Yep, great guy, awesome. Glad he, he uh, glad I got to know him while he was yes, here. Sir. He was a, he yeah. was a good boss. Um, and so now you you've had a few months in the seat and you've been able to kind of figure out the lay of the land and and take a look at your priorities. Can you kind of walk us through briefly what your priorities are? And, how yeah. we're going to get after those? Thanks for asking that. Uh, so, so number one priority is production, mm. right? AOP helps us do that. It, it's 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 how we do business. You know, it's how we do it. That's number three of the P four. That and these are these are General Hawkins Sustainment Center. So we're directly aligned to those P four priorities, um, and production is at the top. Um, but beyond that, I think we also have to, you know, look, you know, near-term, mid-term, far-term. And production being immediate near-term, we've, we've got to produce to promise. A little bit further out, though, and, and I'll just say um, with number two, people make it happen, we're going to institute uh, what we're calling the year of the first-line supervisor. It's a mm-hmm. campaign, and, and I chose year of the first-line because I think it's the area where in maybe the the near to mid will have the biggest uh, impact, positive impact uh, to the workforce and our mission. Um, if we focus this year uh, on improving, increasing, helping uh, first line supervisors that that directly, work in support of the workforce and so we're going to kick off that campaign here shortly Mm -hmm. um you'll the team will see a a message coming out uh kind of what that looks like uh and then we're going to get after it uh to really help bolster the first line supervisors um we're going to think about anything from the human resource aspect to the production aspect. When you think about first lines, they're looking at touch time. Touch time is key to production, right? Mm-hmm. We got to make sure they have the right tools. Uh, we got to make sure they have the right resilience. And then we're going to celebrate the excellence that that they and their teams bring, right? So yeah. there's a lot to unpack with first line supervisors. Mostly we want to help get them the things that they need to be the most effective that they can. And that should, in my view, translate to helping the workforce be the best that they can. So that's, that's uh, besides production, that's the second priority. Um, I'll tell you advanced manufacturing uh, is probably the third priority uh, because of who we are, right? We're a maintenance repair overhaul facility. If uh, in, the, in the history of this complex, if you look back at World War II, you know, this complex back then was a maintenance repair overhaul facility in World War II. But right. it quickly, at the end of World War II, turned into a manufacturing area, plant, mm-hmm. right? Yep. If history rhymes, that's what should happen here. We do a ton of maintenance repair overhaul, but we're starting to bring in advanced manufacturing techniques, additive, cold spray, you know, castings. Um, and so when we look out to the future, maybe more mid and far term, Yes, sir. We need to bring in more manufacturing, mm-hmm. right? We need to we need to create and produce 
we need to help our people have the tools, these advanced manufacturing techniques Mm -hmm. to innovate, right? right? So if we're accelerating readiness and forging innovation, you know, as a center, Mm -hmm. the forging innovation is all about advanced manufacturing. There's a lot of other ways to be innovative, but this is this is huge capability that we've invested in, additive first. Yes, sir. Um, and by by 2050, what should we look like in advanced manufacturing? And I would argue a much larger percentage has to be advanced manufacturing because that's going to get capability of the warfighter much faster. So that that would be number three. And then similarly related, we've got to digitally transform, mm-hmm. right? Our AFMC commander says digital material management is the number one priority for this command. And I agree with him from a complex, 100% agree with him from a complex perspective. We have to become a digital depot. We need to transition this workforce to a digital workforce that's that's extremely competent and proficient in things digital, right? So under Eric Bartlow, our lead engineer and the engineering team, they're already bringing in the infrastructure uh, to, di- to become digital, to hook up industrial equipment, to really look at our industrial processes, to be able to assess them digital, uh, and then to be able to, you know, look for different ways within that digital space to be more efficient and ultimately effective. Digital makes us faster, right? right? Throughput for us is most important, and digital is going to help us do that uh, and maintain the level of quality and safety on top of it. Maybe I would suggest safer, right, because right. we're able to see it through big data. Yes, so I would say those are the top priorities now, and that kind of hits a near-mid, far-term uh, perspective, um, and the team is really starting to think and unpack these these priorities. Awesome, very insightful. And uh, you know, would you talk about getting down into the first line supervisor area? Um, it's kind of the point of execution, really, when you think about it, because down at that level is really where all of this kind of happens, and and it needs to be successful. And then you're That's talking right. about your year of the first line supervisor and having to transition people into a digital mindset even you talk about bringing us digital yeah that's one thing but you've got to get people mentally on board to to make that transition as well so you know that it you just connected the dot right because because mm-hmm. all of these things uh connect and mm-hmm. compound on each other right so right. if you take digital and you apply it to aop right yeah. i would expect our wall walks and our machines to start working digital, right. you know, where the, the technician is out there hand jamming and uploading into AOP, you know, <laughs> who knows, probably PowerPoint slides for everybody. Yes, sir. Well, that should become automated, mm-hmm. right? That right. should, it should make their job easier. And then, you know, through machine learning, it should be able to do some of the assessment for them for, for first, second, third line supervisors to be able to see assessment and, and make even more informed decisions than they already are, right? So right. these things should compound on each other. Um, and then ultimately, advanced, advanced manufacturing, CNC machines and all those things, they're all computerized and digitized, right? And right. so as we start bringing all this together, you know, through through that kind of compounding effect, uh, each of those different priorities uh, will help the the next one uh, proceed. So awesome. you connected that exactly right. Very well laid out. And so I had listened to you when you were speaking at Tinker and the Primes, and you had mentioned the Industry 4.0 Depot modernization 
is that tied into what you were just talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and and so so all of industry is is taking in these these processes and trying to advance and mature. Um, so, so for us, that digital aspect is a huge part of industry 4.0, you know, bringing in the next level of industry to remain competitive, you know, from our organic perspective, mm-hmm. as well as be able to be relevant at the point of need, we have to bring in the next evolution of I- industry. I mean, we have the most cutting edge uh, activities within this complex, right. but emerging technologies are happening fast and we've got to move with it. Right. So, right. uh, we're focused on uh, bringing the future faster mm-hmm. and, uh, making sure our workforce is prepared and ready, uh, to be able to use it and deliver from, from that, uh, that next evolution of industry. Absolutely. Right. And, and you talk about the, the ALC 2050 plan. What exactly is that? Yeah. So thanks. Uh, so looking far term now, um, just talking with other leaders and, you know, experts uh, within our, our sustainment federation, we realize that there's a lot of pieces like we talked about a second ago with integration that have to move together. And so we decided that 2050, looking out 25 years from now, could be a great marker to to put that goalpost out there and then bring all of those different activities along with us that then like, so, so think about it from our education perspective. How do our tech schools, Votex out there, how do they prepare for, Mm. to help us? How do colleges and universities around the area, how do they train their students to potentially help us be effective later, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, you know, there's there's other activities, other aerospace activities in the local community that that are trying to move forward, but would much prefer to move forward together with us, right, as partners. Sure. And then ultimately, uh, thankfully, we've got great legislation, legislators, congressional leaders that want to support us as well, um, but but need to know where we're headed, right? Mm-hmm. And I and so we're developing a strategy, a resource strategy, a business strategy of sorts um, that says this is what we think we need to look like in, in 2050 as a complex, right? And then we would expect that understanding that, and I expect it'll be an iterative process year year on year, right. you know, to make sure that everybody is contributing and that the goalpost is in the right place, yeah. um, but helping our partners, our, our academic institutions, our, you know, our technical partners um, and, and others really understand where we're going. And we just talked about many of the components that'll be in it, the, the digital depot, the advanced manufacturing, where our workforce needs to go. Those, and then <clears throat> specifically our partners and our outreach activities. And then ultimately what the area on Tinker looks like, right? right. We'll be bringing in a bomber, bomber campus. We, we've already... Uh, created the the KC-46 campus, and it continues to expand. And then what other kind of area development needs to happen to meet that that marker out there in 2050? So it's a very long-term, visionary kind of document, but hopefully keeps us aligned, integrated, and moving as one 
uh, with with all those partners we talked about. Right, and I think we're we're pretty lucky to have leadership like yourself that's that's thinking that far out. Like, I mean, from my seat, you know, it could probably be fairly simple to just roll in here and and think I've got a a two or a three year assignment. I'm going to do what I can in those two or three years and then head down the road. But the fact that you put in so much effort and energy into looking at where we're going to be. And as far as the bigger picture, 25 years from now, I think that says a lot about your leadership, sir. Well, I appreciate that. I, it's hard work. And, and actually, you know, the whole team has to be thinking together like this. Mm-hmm. And, and really, that's just one lens. I mean, I think we've got to continue to stay focused on producing a promise now. Right. We've got to think about the resourcing availability, right? Resources are hard, which really is the near to midterm. Um, You know, the way our our resourcing works within the government um, and the Department of Defense, you know, that is that is near to midterm activity. But then it's got to have focus and vision in in the far term. So we'll keep a focus on all those things and not forget our number one priority. And that is producing to promise with the requirements of the warfighter today. Right. And getting a big help. There's been a a really big push uh, about the partnerships and, and the the partnership signing and agreements with a lot of the local educational institutions. So that's that's good that you guys are really reaching out pretty hard right now. Well, yeah, because we're better together, <laughs> right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like I said, the the best communities make the best bases, right. and and if you aren't you know, helping each other, taking advantage of those specific expertise that those other partners bring you're you're not fully effective and um we we are better together and we have to work together to move this forward so awesome and there's one question that i I was excited to ask you about and and it's taken me a while and i'm i'm pretty antsy when i when i get these in my head so i'm glad i finally get to know but also listening to your speech at tinker and the primes you were really excited about one goal that you had and that was 24 by 2024 what what is that, sir? Yes. So this gets back to advanced manufacturing, specifically, in this case, additive manufacturing. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard because it's a new manufacturing technique, right, that is, is unproven uh, to some extent. It's, mm-hmm. you know, people have been maturing in van- additive manufacturing for the last five to ten years, uh, no one, nobody more than Oklahoma City Air Logistics Complex. Um, and uh, we have a lot of different mission systems out there that need parts. And additive manufacturing is a, is a printing capability that can, can make those parts that we have here. The, the, the trick is to make sure we do it safely, right? It, it needs to have airworthiness certification. And those processes that support that through our engineering processes need to be sound and understood. And uh, so so we are moving forward together with the Lifecycle Management Center Engineering, the Sustainment Center Engineering, and our complex, uh, to, to and then many others, Oak Ridge National Labs and some others uh, one huge partner in this uh, is Owadi, uh, Oklahoma Aerospace Defense Innovation Institute, mm. uh, that that is a partner with us doing research to help inform that additive manufacturing production, and we have the production capability. And so the goal is to fly 24 metal 
parts in 2024, right? And right. so we've got lots of teams, uh, the Rapid Sustainment Office, others working together to, to get the 24 parts identified and then move them forward collectively to, to then create that data that we need to then really expand additive manufacturing uh, and advanced manufacturing uh, to some extent as well, right? Mm -hmm. So 24 and 24 literally is what it sounds like mm -hmm. getting those parts uh, through the certification process uh, and flying, helping the, helping the sustainers and the warfighters produce awesome. uh, in the end. Awesome. Thanks, sir. So the Air Force is adapting its leadership approach through multi-capable airmen and the mission command. Um, do these models apply to the civilian workforce here at this complex, and, or is it maybe like such as part of your year of the first-line supervisor? Well, multi-capable airmen. So I'm going to give a quick shout-out to our uh, aircraft battle damage repair airmen. They're, they're mm -hmm. military. You asked about civilian. So, mm -hmm. But I, I did want to let you know that the, the complex – has multi-capable airmen. These folks are best of the best maintainers that are actually doing multi-career <laughs> multi field maintenance, right. um, and they go out by themselves. On top of that, we've got civilians that do the same thing for that battle damage repair. They are actually augmenting and helping. Right. And then beyond that, we, you know, the civilian workforce, uh, they learn techniques uh, in, in sustainment that... Uh, that nobody else on the planet knows, right? Or that part cutting edge uh, capability. So in that sense, you know, I would suggest that there's a, a bit of uh, cut trained activity, if you will, multi-capable uh, maintenance proficiency uh, that applies. Maybe not exactly in the same sense as what we're talking about uh, from a generation and deployment perspective uh, for the civilian workforce, but no less relevant. Right. right. I mean, we need folks to understand their core job mm -hmm. and then be able to expand that out uh, because we're shifting uh, workforce around the complex in, at times. Um, so there's an element of it from a mission command perspective. Uh, absolutely. We need to stay integrated. Um, I, there, there's some deployment capability within our civilian workforce. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not exactly the same, but no less relevant. It's awesome. That is lethality, I think, is yeah, kind absolutely. of keeping the, those people trained in so many different areas. And uh, we love to work with your, your battle damage repair folks. Uh, we like to go out and catch them while they're training. Uh, that's a pretty good pretty good group of people and what they do. Uh, very effective. Yeah, they're creme de la creme, right? They are the top, uh, top maintainers in the Air Force and yeah. doing great work. Yes, sir. And so you, we're talking about active duty civilians, and there's, a, there's something that active duty people learn and it's part of the culture of the Air Force, and that's warrior ethos. Um, do you plan on trying to, to get that mindset, or do, do the civilian workforce here at the complex already have that mindset? I think it's something that every airman, you know, civilian and military and active and reserve and guard, need to constantly keep on their mind, right? This is about amplifying warfighting culture. Right. This is about being threat-informed and understanding what our adversaries are doing. Mm -hmm. And every airman, every civilian in this case has a, a role to play. By the way, so from a civilian perspective, you are the continuity, right? right. right. You know, airmen, we, uh, uh, uniformed wearing airmen, we rotate all the time, right? right? And we're learning different uh 
different pieces and parts of what that means. But from the civilian perspective, you're the continuity and the expertise, and uh, it's that, that's critical to being successful. So, so understanding, like we talked about when we started, understanding how we contribute to the fight and understanding the threat, and then how our adversaries uh, are are moving their own forces forward is critical and we all have to amplify we all have to keep that warrior mindset and ethos and uh and maintain that patriotism uh to to make sure that our air force remains the strongest air force in the history of the world right so critical uh the resilience all of it um and so now that you've you've had a bit of time to adjust to life as the alc commander is there anything at all about this gargantuan uh, job that has surprised you? Uh, I mean, so just to to wrap my head around the the capability of this workforce is surprising. I I don't think you can walk into an organization like this right. and not be surprised on what this workforce brings to our nation's defense. Um, I. You know, uh, my predecessor, General King, uh, is an incredible leader, and he he told me he he was here three years. He said, "I learned something every day." Right. You know, walked away. You know, we become lifelong learners in this case because this complex has incredible capability um, that are that's cutting edge. They're working on the oldest legacy systems and the newest cutting edge uh, capabilities, uh, as we talked about. Uh, and then they're transforming our oldest systems into the newest systems. Yes, I mean, sir. think of the B-52. It's been yeah. flying for 60 years, and it's going to fly for decades ahead, and we're modernizing that thing in a robust way to, to bring combat-ready air power. So I think surprising yet uh, exciting mm-hmm. all at the same time right. is really just the capability of this workforce. Awesome. Well, sir, I think that's a great place to wrap up. I know you've got a, a very busy day, uh, and I appreciate you taking the time. You know, it's it's been a few months, but uh, really glad that you took the opportunity to sit down and, and share some insights with us. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. It was great talking with you today. And uh, I'll just say keep charging as a workforce and proud to serve with you. Thank awesome. you. Thanks, sir.